As we prepare to open up God's Word, um, I do want us to pray together because that's our topic for today, and I want us to remember how dependent we are upon the Lord drawing us to Himself. And so, if you would, just um, bow your hearts with me, and let's, let's talk to the Lord Jesus. Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here again. It's by your grace that we have any hope of standing. And so, Lord, we lean upon you now, and we ask for your provision. I do pray for Dawn, for Bill and Becky, Lord, in losing their daughter, their granddaughter, and we pray for your comfort. We pray for the two little children, Lord, that Tessalie's behind. We pray that, that you would just work in their lives, that you would just orchestrate the next coming weeks and months to, to demonstrate to this family that you are working. And now, Lord, as we turn our attention to you, Lord, we need to hear from you. We need your presence. We need you as our Father to speak to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we do want to say happy Father's Day. We haven't mentioned that yet this morning, but today is, of course, Father's Day when we honor dads. And um, to the fathers in the room, thank you for your, your ministry. It's very, very important. And, and I remember when I um, experienced fatherhood for the first time. When our first little child was born 25 years ago or something crazy like that, and uh, we were there at the, the hospital there in Martinsburg, and here in Martinsburg that is, and, and um, I didn't have much of a role that day, okay, the day that, that my wife delivered our oldest son, Jacob, at the time our only son, uh, Jacob, and um, I had one key role at that moment, and it was pretty simple. I would practiced, we went to classes to prepare me for this. Okay, we had several, probably six hours of coursework that we had to go through to get me ready for this moment when I would stand there and I I had a three-word sort of script that I had to memorize, okay? And I still remember it to this day. It was that deeply engraved in my heart. My only role was to say this. You know what it is, dads, right? Breathe, breathe, breathe. That's all I had to do, okay? It was simple, my role was very, very easy. I mean, really, I, I, childbirth wasn't that hard. I mean, all I had to do was remember that, you know? Just breathe, breathe, breathe. That was it. Now, Nancy had a little more of an advanced role, but, but you know, we got through it together. We leaned on one another. You know, she had to remind me of my line a couple times, okay? But, but we got through it. You know, breath is an interesting thing. Scientists tell us that you breathe about 20,000 times per day. That's about 13 times per minute on average. That's, that's a lot of breathing that you do. I mean, it's a constant part of your daily routine, isn't it? Your breathing? And I took some time to think about it today. I mean, it's something that just naturally occurs in your life. You don't, you don't have any forethought for it. You're not sitting here thinking about your next breath. However... Breathing helps reduce stress. I remember when I was in basic training, pumping out many, many push-ups, particularly in a PT test, and, and the drill sergeant would say to you, breathe, breathe. Because the strange thing is, when you're down there pushing out the push-ups, you can forget Okay, And you can see it because the person's face is just blood red, their veins are bursting, they've forgotten to breathe. And your drill sergeant will say, breathe, and you, oh, that's right, I forgot. And magically, you have more strength. 
It's just odd. You'll see it when people weightlift, okay? They'll be, they'll be on, the, on the bench, you know, bench pressing, and they're, oh, they're red-faced, they're purple-faced, and their, their lifting partner will say, breathe, and they breathe, and they have more strength. So deliberate breathing can reduce stress and maybe even increase strength. I don't know. And, and when you do get stressed, when you do get anxious, your, your breathing rate will increase. Now, today we're not going to talk about breathing. But today, in the Sermon on the Mount, as we've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew, we're coming to the issue of prayer. I just want to challenge you that what if prayer is just simply spiritual breathing? It's us taking in our Lord, taking in our our relationship with Him, I mean, we are, when you came to Christ, you were permanently indwelt with the Spirit of God. But we're called to intimacy with Him. And today what Jesus is going to deal with is our prayer life. And I want to just challenge you that it's very much like our spiritual breathing. It's absolutely necessary for your new life to be lived. It's an important part of your healthy living in Christ. And Jesus is going to deal with it today. I hope, my, my hope for today, okay, here's what I want to see happen. I, I want us to experience just an overwhelming sense of just wonder of wonders that the child of God, that you in Christ, you can pray prayer that God actually hears. I want us to just be struck with the wonder of that. That you talk to God in your heart or out loud, and He hears. Can you just get out of your Sunday morning suit? You know, when you come here and you just have all these pious words that you use. Can you just get out of that for a minute and just understand that truth and let it just overwhelm you? Wonder of wonders throughout all of creation. The billions of people, God can hear them all at once. I'm not much of a superhero movie person. Like, I never even saw that latest Avenger movie. Big deal. I don't care about those things. But there's one scene in a movie that just strikes me. I can't even, I won't, the movie buffs are going to be frustrated with me because I can't even hardly identify the movie. It was one of the Superman ones, okay? All those stupid Superman movies, all right? Yeah, they're just so ridiculous. But sorry, no offense, okay? But there's one scene where Superman, now in the suit, he flies up above the earth and he can hear all the cries of all the people of the world. And it just overwhelms him. Do you remember that scene, anybody? Yeah. And when I saw that, I was reminded of our Heavenly Father. He's not just Superman. He hears it all. And he's not overwhelmed with it. He loves you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to interact with you. He wants us to experience the wonder of wonders that the child of God can pray prayers that he actually hears. For this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to talk about that. 
Today, as God's Spirit has inspired His Word, today is really a warning, okay? It's a warning. Primarily, we're going to see a correction of our prayer. And then next week when we come together, we're going to see God's sort of example of purposeful prayer. So two weeks talking about our spiritual breathing. But let's read the passage. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Open up your Bible there with, you, with me if you would. And I want us to see this and wrestle with, first of all, Jesus warning, his correction of our prayer. That, that, prayer, that Jesus is prepared to reject some prayer. And we need to know what that prayer is because there is prayer he rejects. Now read with me in Matthew chapter 6. Read along as I read aloud at verse number 5. We're going to read all the way through verse number 15. So it's kind of a long passage. Let's start in. And when you pray, Jesus says, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their rewards. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, as I said, what, we're gonna, what we have here is kind of laid out, you can see it pretty clearly, kind of two sections about prayer. One is a warning, a, a correction about prayer that, that Jesus wants us to understand that there is prayer that he rejects. And then the second half is going to be there's prayer that he receives. So I want us to give God his due and, and walk through this as he has written and it could be perhaps that, that you don't need this morning more instruction how to pray. It could be that you need instruction today how not to pray. Because there is prayer that people pray with strong belief, with strong desire that God doesn't hear. That God doesn't hear. So before we go into this any further, we need to understand that there are sincere prayers that God doesn't hear. Truly are. There are people who pray publicly, and you might be very impressed with them. You might see them and think, wow, I would like to pray like that. I would like to be like that. I admire who I see. And God may not even hear their prayer. 
See, it's a wonder of wonders that the child of God can pray prayer that God hears. But we need to understand that there is a warning here. So we've been walking through this. We look back at verse number one. We've seen what Jesus is warning us. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. We, we've seen here that Jesus is teaching, to us to re, he's teaching us to reject hypocrisy. To reject it. And we need to remember what, what hypocrisy is. Okay? See, people say all the time, but well, the church is full of hypocrites. And I think people who say that don't even know what the word even means. They don't know what the word even means. Usually we think of hypocrisy as it's a call from God that you better practice what you preach. That's what we think a call against hypocrisy is. Listen, folks, that's not exactly accurate. That's, that's not a really, it's not really an exact accurate idea of what Jesus is speaking about. Jesus is not pointing his finger angrily at you and saying, you better practice what you preach. Put your best work at it. Come on now, toe the line and get to it. That's how people view what we, what we teach and what we preach. It's much more this. There's no need for you to perform. There's no need for you to put on an act. That's what the word hypocrisy means. It's one who has memorized a script. It's one who has practiced a role. It's one that knows the words and knows the stance and knows the look and knows all those things. And they feel a desire to perform it to impress other people or perhaps to impress God. No. And Jesus has dealt with three, he's dealing with three areas where this shows itself. And it's not an exhaustive list, there are other places. First of all, we talked about giving, we dealt with that last week. Next we're going to do with prayer, and then the third one is going to be in our fasting. We're talking about each one of those things. So the first thing I want us to, want us to do, though, is I want us to see what Jesus warns us against. Okay, and we're going to look at two kind of forms of prayer that he rejects. We're going to call one the praying hypocrite, and the other one the praying pagan. Okay, the praying hypocrite and the praying pagan. And both of these are rejected. Look at it with me, okay? Verse number five. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Can you picture this? This holy man or holy woman of God. They're standing on the street corner. They're shouting out their prayer. Or perhaps in the synagogue, in the place of worship and teaching, they've stood up now and they pray prayers. And, and they're, 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 these prayers aren't going any further than just where their breath leaves their mouth. And they use flowery language. And I'm sure they have a, you know, a look on their face that they're crying out in desperation as they pray this prayer. But it's all about other people seeing them and being impressed. This is a hypocritical prayer. It's, it's not really concerned about really speaking to God. It's all about purchasing your praise. That's all the hypocritical prayer is for. To impress people around them. See my prayer. Hear my words. Look at my pious nature. Oh, everybody, look at me. Jesus says, I don't want that. Truly I say to you, they have received 
their rewards. They're not pleading with God. They're pleading for the praise of men. And if they get it, I hope they enjoy it because that's all they're going to get. Do you see the, I want us to see the finite view of this kind of prayer. The temporal view where all this person is trying to do is to impress other people. Oh, it's in us, isn't it? It's in us. Prayer is not about building your reputation with man. It's not about impressing other people that they might be impressed with you. It's about your intimacy with God. I remember as a, as a relatively new believer, at the church that I was in at the time, it was, there were moments when the pastor, like during the service, he would just call and say, you know, Joe Johnson, why don't you stand and pray? And then Joe Johnson would stand up and, and pray. And I can remember sitting there in church thinking, I hope he calls on me one day. I hope he calls on me to pray. And I'll tell you, it was not, it was in no desire to be a mature man. It was a desire to impress. Do you feel that? You should, because it's there. It's in our flesh. It's in our flesh to seek the praise of men. And listen, you don't have to perform. You don't have to perform. You're already accepted in Christ. You've already been brought near. He's already fully wrapped his arms around you. He died for you. The person next to you offers you nothing in truth. God offers you everything, and you've already been taken to his side. There's a, there's a wonderful example of this in Luke chapter 18. In Luke 18, verses 10 through 12, there, there, it's an example of how not to pray. You can turn there if you'd like to, but I'll just read it for you. It's Luke 18. I'm going to read it verse number 10. It says, two men, this is Jesus telling a story. It may or may not be true, but it contains a great deal of truth. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee admired in the community. Tax collector hated in the community. So two men go up to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself. Do you see him? He stands up. Kind of makes a noise with his chair. Everybody looks. And up he, up he stands, stands tall, flexing, you know, just filling his chest with air, getting everybody's attention. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. Jesus says, that's it. He, he receives nothing. Watch out for this. See, pretend prayer. Listen to this. Pretend prayer. That's what this hip, hypocritical prayer is. It's pretend prayer. It's not a conversation with God. It's a conversation to impress men. Pretend prayer is an absolute mockery of what we have in Christ. We have intimacy with God. We have relationship with God. 
And we, we experience that through our continuous conversation with God, our ceaseless prayer with God, all throughout the day, interacting with God, pouring your heart out to God, your fears to God, your worries to God, your anxiety to God, your praise to God, all day, like breathing, like breathing back and forth. When stress comes up, you breathe more, you pray more. When you, need, when you need strength, you cry out to God. Oh, God, help me to be self-controlled. Oh, God, help me now not to lust. Oh, God, help me not to covet. God, give me patience right now. All day, see? All day, spiritual breathing, interacting with God. But this kind of prayer, this hypocritical prayer, this, this, this you know, everybody look at me prayer, is a mockery of that. It's almost making fun of it. It's making light of it. It's kicking it to the dirt and praying that others might be impressed. It's subtle. This, it's very subtle. We, we can practice our religion to impress others and it can be very, very subtle. But not the second type. Let's go on to it, okay? Jump down with me to verse number seven. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Now, this is a different example of a prayer that Jesus rejects, but let's talk about it a little bit. First of all, notice that your, your Bible probably says something like, do not empty phrases up as the Gentiles do, or maybe the pagans do. Let's talk about that for a minute, okay? These are godless people. In this Jewish society, the, the Jewish people had the word of God. They had the law of God. And, and they were meant to share that with everyone around them, but they mostly didn't. And so they referred refer to the people who didn't have the word of God as the Gentiles. We might think of it as pagans. They're godless. They do not know God at all. They don't know his ways. They don't know his word. They don't know the gospel. They're, they're pagans. So what we see here is pagan prayer. But look at it. It says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. They actually believe that this is going to work. They believe that these words that they are saying are going to somehow force God to act. But their words are not informed by the word of God. It's almost the exact opposite of the hypocrites. The, hypocr the hypocritical prayer, they know what to pray, and so they fake it, to impress all of us. The pagans, they don't know what to pray. They don't know what to pray. So they're just crying out with as many words as they can. Oh God, do this, please God, do this, do this. And it's not going to accomplish anything. What's interesting about this is, is the translation of this, this phrase is a little bit interesting. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. See those heap up empty phrases, four words. That's actually one word in the Greek. And you know what it means? It means this. Blah, 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 blah. That's what it means. It means, it means senseless babbling is what it means. And they're doing it a lot, okay? Many, many of these things. It's not informed by the Word of God. It's only informed by their own minds. 
and they are crying out to God in this babbling, murmuring, over and over and over, thinking that they will somehow move the hand of God because of these words. They sincerely believe it, but it is uninformed. So we have uninformed prayer. What are we going to do about this? We, we got to inform. We've got to instruct. We've got to help them know how we come to God. It's, it's not through this man-made effort. See, they, they contrive these actions. It's not much more than like a rabbit's foot. Oh, if I rub this enough, God work. Right? Salt over the shoulder, you know. Don't walk on this side of the road. Whatever it is. It's these contrived, man-made ideas that maybe God will work if I do them with enough belief. If I, if I believe this enough, it'll work. Now listen, before we get all high and mighty and be like, how dare them dirty pagans? What's wrong with them? Listen, this is rampant in the church. This kind of uninformed prayer is just rampant. And I'm going to say some things that might actually upset some of you. But some people, they, they think that prayer is some kind of like a, if they just figure out the right, the right expressions, the right words, the right order, the right posture, the right way, that they will force God's hand to move. This elevates them to master and God to servant boy. Say, so what are you talking about? Well, some of us pray like this. You got the Jabez prayer the Daniel prayer, the Jonah prayer, which I'm like, seriously, the Jonah prayer? Read the book of Jonah. You should not be matching any prayer of Jonah, okay? All these things, they're acceptable as models, but they're not acceptable as mantras. Let's say this over and over and over and over, that God will work. I got to tell you that, and it, it, it plays itself in other places too, the name it and claim it. If I just name this, it's going to happen. Just speak it, and it'll be there. Listen, I was raised in a church where, we, where it was often talked about a private prayer language. And I'm telling you, I was instructed as a teenager, just say this over and over and over. Just in faith, say, haba, haba, laba, daba, and you will have a private prayer language. I was taught this. And I don't mean to make light of it. It's uninformed. Jesus says, don't be like them. Not this uninformed prayer. It's pagan prayer. We must inform our prayer for it to be received. Do not be like them. God is sovereign. And prayer is not about us changing God's plan. It's not about me directing God of what he is to do now. I am master. Oh God, come be my servant boy and do my bidding. I've got the mantra. I've got the words. I've said them a lot. And I really, really believe them. So now you've got to work, right? That's the deal. No. Prayer is about changing our heart and changing our mind and changing our soul 
and communing with the Father, intimacy with God. So how should we pray? That's a great question. By the way, a great example, I want to tell you this. I don't have time to turn to it right now. A great example of this pagan prayer, though. Look at 1 Kings chapter 18 and watch the prophets of Baal running around this, well, not fire, running around this pit, cutting themselves and crying out and screaming into a bloody mess. And Elijah, the follower of God, says, oh, where's your God? Is he visiting the restroom? Is that where he is? Because he's not working. See, the praying hypocrite, they perform their prayer. The praying pagan, they're they're offering uninformed prayer. But what is God calling us to? What is Jesus pointing us to? And this is the the start of, of today and a week from now. Interesting thought. Question for you. So if you bumped into Jesus, okay, like literally, all right, you meet Jesus, what would you ask him to teach you? You can ask him to teach you anything. Is it, you know, kick a soccer ball or throw a football? Hopefully not, okay? Let's, let's, let's move beyond that, okay? How to invest your money? Let's move beyond that. How to, how to teach? Well, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's admirable. How to share the gospel? Surely, yes. How to lead people? How about that? How about How to care for needs. There we go. To see the needs of people around us and to meet them. That might be a good thing to ask Jesus to teach you to do, right? Well, as I understand it, as I read Scripture, there's only one place where the disciples specifically say to Jesus, teach us something. Teach us something. And this is very informative. The disciples, when they get the chance, ask Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse number 1, Jesus Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. What does that reveal about our Jesus? What does that reveal about Jesus and all of his humanity? He was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. Now we know what it wasn't. It it wasn't performance prayer. Hey guys, stand around and watch me. It wasn't pagan prayer. It wasn't, you know, oh, I've got to say this over and over and over, and then maybe God will work. It was like spiritual breathing, in and out, relationship, intimacy with God. So let's see what Jesus says about the prayer that he will receive. It's in the same passage. It's going to be in verses 6, 8, and 9. So let's read them. Verse number 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Let's look at verse number 8. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. See, the the prayer that that Jesus receives is, is personal prayer. It's personal prayer. And what I want us to see, first of all today, is that it's pure. It's pure. Just this week... Some of the pastors were sitting around and we were talking about this passage. And we said, how would you describe this prayer that he talks about in verse number 6? When you pray, go in your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. Your father who hears in secret will reward you. How would you describe that prayer? And the word we landed at was just simply pure. Pure. What's pure? 
pure is to be undefiled. There is no presence of alien matter, is what the word pure means. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. So what we see here, what Jesus is calling us to, is a pure prayer. Pure prayer that's directed to the audience of one, God. Verse number six, there is undivided attention. When you go into the room, you shut the door, you pray to your father who is in secret. It's undivided attention on God. I don't care who hears me. I don't care who sees me. That's why you can pray in private or you can pray corporately and it still be pure prayer. This is not a teaching against corporate prayer. The rest of Scripture calls us, actually, to, ha- to practice corporate prayer. There's nothing wrong with us praying as a group. But when we pray, it better be pure. It's not to impress somebody sitting next to you. None of your religious activities are meant to impress anybody. They're to be pure, undefiled, the absence of any alien matter. It's only you and your Father. One popular preacher said this, that the only secret to prayer is secret prayer. That's pretty sweet. You and the Father, wonder of wonders, the child of God can pray prayer that he hears, pure, not defiled with anything else, whether it's private or corporate. This private praying person Speaking with God. And on this Father's Day, I want us to look at who the audience of one really is. Look, notice what happens in verse 1. Go, take your eyes there. This is how you study the Bible, folks. When you read the Bible, okay, you don't read it like a John Grisham novel. That's not how you read it, okay? You read it much more like an instruction manual, although it's much more than that, okay? I know we don't read instruction manuals. But if you did, pretend for a moment that you did. You read it slowly and deliberately. I want you to notice, and something that I do when I read the Bible is I look for words that are repeated. Because when you repeat words, you're, you're emphasizing something. Look at verse number 1, verse number 4, verse number 6, verse number 8, verse number 9. See, when Jesus speaks of pure prayer, when Jesus is calling us to wonder of wonders that that we can talk to God, he's emphasizing our relationship with God as our heavenly Father. Our heavenly Father. Pure prayer is a conversation between you and your heavenly Father. Now, be careful with Father. You know, when, when Dad's in the room, when, when, when we talk about Heavenly Father, it's, it's a little heavy, isn't it? Let's understand what, what, the, what the metaphor is meant to do here. The metaphor is not to say, see, see God, he's a lot like your dad. That, that's not what the metaphor is meant to be. No, no, no. What the metaphor is meant to be is, See how your relationship is with your father? See how it could be? See how it could be in the storybook world, you know, the fantasy land? See, see, how, you, how, could, see how you want it to be? You can have that with God. 
heavenly father is not meant to t- make all the dads in feel like worms. It's to raise us up to see him as our heavenly father who cares for us, who provides for us, who protects us. Who does what needs to be done for us. Who dives in front of the lethal blow for us. Go to God as your heavenly Father. I don't know what kind of dad you had. But I want you to go to the Word of God to see what a father is meant to be. And look to Him in that way. Look to Him in that way. That He is your heavenly Father. And Jesus is making a point. Go to your Father, your Father, your Father. Our Father, verse 1, is in heaven. He exists. Our Father in heaven. And verse number 4, He rewards those. Hebrews 11 says, rewards those who seek Him. He is a Father who rewards In verse number 6, notice that he hears this prayer in secret. He's all-knowing. He knows it all. There's no reason to put on a show. There's no reason to perform. He knows it all. You don't have to perform. You You don't have to memorize a line and come and say it. He already knows it all. A hypocrite, they aren't, the problem is that they don't practice what they preach, remember? That's not what it is. It's to perform what they preach. And God, your heavenly Father, says, No, I already know it. Just come and tell me. Just come and open up your heart. Tell me you know that this is a struggle. Tell me you're discouraged. Tell me you're anxious. Tell me you're coveting. Tell me you're lusting. Tell me I love you. My spirit will deal with this. Come to me. And intimacy and truth, not a hypocrite. Not a hypocrite. Verse number eight Your father knows what you ask before you even ask him. He's the great provider. You don't have to figure out some way, you don't have to figure out some magic secret tunnel to get to God. You come through Jesus. Pure prayer is directed to one's heavenly Father. Two things just to point out. How do you get there? This is the very passage that was preached the night that I put my trust in Jesus. And I'd heard all about God. I'd heard all about Him, but I was, I'd never heard the gospel. Oh, I'd, I'd been in many Sunday school lessons, had the Sunday school papers, all that kind of stuff. I knew the stories. I, I knew it all. And it was, a, it was a night where somebody shared this passage. And I trusted Jesus. And God became my heavenly Father. To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name. See, this is a knowledgeable prayer. He gave the right, an inalienable right. Can't not take it away. To become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. He did this work. And when he did, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm nearing the, time, the end of our time here, but I just got to show you this. The wonder of wonders. What God is off. 
offered to us. Romans 8, particularly verse number 15. See, we don't have a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. If you're in Christ, that's not what you have with God. Fearful? Slavery? No. But a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Dad, Dad. Pretty special moment when your children, for the first time, say, Daddy. Pretty special moment. One really sticks out in my mind, I don't know why, but one of our kids would, would, would they pick up a toy that was broken or something, okay, you know, the truck wheel fall off or whatever, and they would say, and this is a quote, Daddy fix it. Daddy fix it. See, this is what God wants with us. It's what he's provided with us. A relationship with the heavenly father. Daddy, fix it. What great truth that was out of that little two-year-old mouth. That's what Jesus wants us to understand today. That's what prayer is all about. It's just spiritual breathing. It's our relationship with him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you now resting in your grace. God, you're so good to us. You've waited so long for some of us. Today might be the day. Lord, I pray for anybody here who hasn't put their trust in you yet. Oh, the religious hypocrite. They feel it. They've been saying words and holding their face in a certain way and coming here for a long time because they know that's what they're supposed to do. God, that's not grace. I pray we respond to your offer, Lord, to all who received him. He gives the right to be called children of God. Lord, may we live, may we live in the abundance of your intimacy, leaning on you, that you're with us always. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.